welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people. The whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit! John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. I'll go ahead and read the verses right now. This is Jesus speaking. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Friends, this is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for gathering us here this morning into this virtual space that we may hear from you. O Spirit, would you illumine to us this the word of God, that we would hear Jesus eavesdrop in to the conversation in prayer that Jesus is having with his Father. Lord, I pray as we see the communion within the Godhead this morning that you would instill in us a deeper longing for and sense of community among your people. Jesus, thank you that you have died and risen. And whether we tune in here this morning near to you or far from you, we still receive the same welcome, namely that Jesus has given himself for us, for our sins, for our world, so that we can come and be recreated, not because of how awesome we are, but because of the good person and work of Jesus Christ. Be with us now, we pray, O triune God, in the name of Christ. Amen. So here for you this morning, three snapshots about community life now here in the year 2020. You can look in the chat section for the reference that I just gave there. But community life in today's world, culturally speaking, church-wise, and then personally as well. So culture at large. This past weekend, I had a really great time. I was at the shore with some friends over Labor Day weekend here in Collingswood. And while the kids were out frolicking in the water, the adults were just kind of sitting around talking, hanging out. It was great to be with other adults again. And after a while, because this is the election season, as the adults were sitting around just sort of talking, talk turned to politics. And when people were starting to get revved up talking about the political situation, there was an interesting pause. And it went like this. Everybody on the beach together, sitting around, we knew each other to varying degrees, but it dawned on the group altogether, hey, wait a second, we don't necessarily know about everybody else's political stance, so there is a little bit of a feeling out all of a sudden. Hey, before we jump into this political conversation, where are you with some of these things? Where are you with some of these things? Are we all basically aligned or not? Can we talk about this or not? 
And then when it became apparent that, yeah, there were basically a consensus there about what people thought about the political candidates, then there was a sense of relief. Okay, that's great. Now we can let our hair down and talk about politics. But the thought occurred to me, what if there was a person sitting around on the beach in beach chairs who went in a very different direction politically than the majority of the group? What would have happened to the conversation then? And in my opinion, maybe the conversation would have been shut down or even more than that, if there was somebody that was deeply out of step politically on the beach there, would that person even have been invited there in the first place? Our communities may be a little bit fragile when it comes to these things. And just for fun, I had the thought to myself, I didn't say this out loud, this is a group of Collingswood friends and Collingswood being Collingswood, uh, the folks were pretty left-leaning. I thought, what if I would just throw it in the middle of the political conversation? Yeah, but do we really know for sure if Obama was born in the U.S. or not? Have we ever gotten to the bottom of that? Or what if I had said, well, you know, QAnon does make some good points. Or what if I had said, I can't climb a big wall. Can you climb a big wall? It would not have gone over very well. Or church-wise, here's a story from the archives of the Liberty Network. The First Liberty Church was planted in the Fairmount section of Philadelphia nearly 20 years ago now, and the three core values for that Liberty Church back then are the same core values that we have, worship, community, and mercy. So community was one of the original core values of Liberty Church Fairmount, and the thinking was back then, community is really scarce. And if you think about U.S. history, late 20th century, there was a white flight or exodus from the cities into the suburbs, into the exurbs, but then turn of the century, a lot of their kids started to move back into the cities. They moved back into the cities for graduate school, for first jobs. They didn't know a lot of people. And so when Liberty Fairmount was planted in Philadelphia and said, hey, we've got some community for you. You may be struggling. You may be lonely. You may be working a ton. You may not know anybody. People said, this is great. I really need community. But now fast forward 20 years. Everybody's got community, and community is a buzzword for everywhere and for everybody all the time. For example, for gyms, it's not just getting six-pack abs. That's not what the gyms are about. The JIMs are about that, obviously. But when you go to the gym, not just about having this great body, it's about community. Or, for example, coffee shops. Coffee shops are not just about getting your latte with a nicely swirled name on it. Hopefully it's yours. They're also about community. Libraries are not just about books, they're about communities. And all of that stuff is great. But here, as we're planting a church in this context, sometimes I think when we say to other people, hey, would you like some community? I feel like we get back from friends, sort of like Monty Python, well, that's all very nice, but I've already got one. We've already got community all over the place. So I ask myself, What's distinctive, what's necessary about church community? Or personally, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call if you have a crisis of some sort? Who are you going to call if you've really messed up? Who are you going to call if you can't really see a way forward for yourself in a specific situation? And if you're 
with us at Liberty Collingswood, do you have a person at church where you share a bat phone? You can call or text them anytime and confess a sin and cry to them. And know that from the other end of that bat phone, somebody is going to check in with you and challenge you at various times. But whether you're connected here at Liberty Collingswood or not, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a follower of Jesus, somebody who's curious about spiritual realities or skeptical of them, in general, how many friends truly do we have? Maybe not that many when it comes to real friends. And so as we think about community, I don't think anybody in 2020 is against community. Those are the serial killers. Nobody's against community, but then on the other hand, community is still hard and we haven't arrived. And 2020 hasn't made it any easier, whether it's pandemic and political fracturing in our world. But then there's good old fashioned selfishness, too, where I can think to myself, it's easier for me just to withdraw do I really have to push out? Do I really have to push myself out there to other people? Why don't I just hunker down? But this is a moment. This is a season when we ought to get off our islands and connect with other people. In fact, like Jonathan said earlier in the service, that is going to be our ministry year emphasis this year. Community. That's what I'm going to be preaching about. Community. It's really important. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, is truly invested in our forming community, and so it should be important to us, too. So, an intro salvo on community here this morning from two parts from here, from John chapter 17. Let's talk about community, why we need it, and then community, what we're going to be doing this year. So, community, why we need it, and then also what we're going to be doing this year. Community. Jesus said that it's really important. The sermon text that I drew from this morning is from John chapter 17. And the thing about John chapter 17 is it's been called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And there's more to unpack in this chapter. There is more to unpack even in these four verses, verses 20 to 23, that I read of John chapter 17. But what we have here is we are eavesdropping. We have a window in to a prayerful conversation, think about this, between Jesus of Nazareth and his Father in heaven. Think about this. We have a conversational prayer between God the Son towards God the Father. That's amazing if you think about it. John 17, one of the narrative accounts of Jesus' life, we are able to listen in on intra-Trinitarian communication. Communication within the Godhead itself, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, in which Jesus asserts that he and the Father are one. Verse 21, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. And as Jesus wraps up this prayer in our chapter, of all the things that Jesus of Nazareth could pray for, for his church around the world and throughout the ages, he prays similarly for us, that we would be one. Verse 21, again. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, I pray that they may all be one, that they may also be in us. Or verses 22 to 23. 
the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. Jesus prays that his church would be union and communion with each other, modeled on the triune God himself. Just as Father, Son, and Spirit are one, union and communion, just as Jesus, through his crucifixion and resurrection, is one with all that come to him in faith, as Jesus is one with us and we have union and communion with him, similarly for the church, for followers of Jesus, together with one another, we are given the foundation in God, the energy, the resources, the grace that we would have union and communion with one another. Jesus prayed and died for this, that we would be one. And when you think about the church, when you think about Christians, you might think, well, they're weird, we're weird, we're messed up. Around the world, the church is divided. Jesus says, it must not be so. You must be one. Community. That's what Jesus is praying for the church here, and that's what we're going to be talking about this year. But you might wonder, why community right now in this moment? Let me give you a few internal reasons or factors, and then some external reasons or external factors. Internal reasons. God has done a great work in the years after Liberty Church Collingswood was planted. We have a lot to celebrate. And we have some room to grow. Liberty Collingswood is good people, and God has been at work in our midst over these years. Just a couple days ago, I had coffee with a church planter who moved to South Jersey in January of this year. He didn't have a core group. He didn't have a launch team. And think about what happened in 2020. So just about six weeks after he got on the ground and started to network, started to build connections so that he could create a core team, a launch team to plant a church, pandemic hit. And I got coffee with him the other day, like I said, and he said, hey, this has been a really hard season. I don't have a core team yet because this whole pandemic thing hit. What do I do? And this is what I said back. I have no idea. You've got a pretty tough gig now, bro. But I prayed for it. And I was thinking back to the early days of Liberty Collingswood. Emily, my wife and I, we moved up with our family. And there were six or seven adults. But over the years since we've been planted, as we look at our people database, we're in the upper 200s, counting kids of people that call Liberty Collingswood our home. God has been at work. We have a lot to celebrate. And by and large, I think that people would say about folks at Liberty Collingswood, yeah, they're good people. And I think we are. Take the compliment, everybody. But here's where we can grow. We can grow from being good people to having deep relationships. That's what I'm longing for and praying for. And as we talk at the staff level, as we've talked at the consistory level, our elders and deacons about the ministry emphasis for this year, let's go there and shift from simply being good people to having deep relationships. Let's strengthen. And what about you? And I've thought about this from conversations that I've had with Eric Mitchell. Eric has been thinking about and mentioned to me a couple of questions or a couple of puzzles. Is it possible that there are many of us at Liberty Church Collingswood where we might say we have a lot of acquaintances, but we have fewer friends? Yeah, we know a lot of people. We have a lot of high friends, maybe in our community, maybe at church as well. 
But how many real and deep friends do we have? And that is, is it possible as well that for many of us at Liberty Church Collingswood, we are more lonely than we may realize? On the surface, are you lonely? No, I know plenty of people. I'm connected. But then scratch and sniff a little bit more. Maybe there's loneliness under the surface. Maybe you might think, well, I'm having a really hard time right now. And somebody else says, well, why don't you call somebody at church? But if your reaction is, I don't have anybody that I can talk to about this. I don't have anybody that I can reach out to. They might judge me or they're not going to have time for me or I'm going to be embarrassed. What if there are those of us in our midst? And how many of us at Liberty Collingswood would truly be able to say that we have those one or two friends that have the other ends of our bat phones where we can call them and cry and confess and talk about our relationships with Jesus, be held accountable, and pray for one another. How many? Maybe we have room to grow. And as we emphasize community for this year, there are external factors as well. Pandemic. One of the results of social distancing is social distancing. And relationships are harder right now for sure. And for many of us, we have discovered within our hearts a deep longing for community. And we've seen fault lines form between our community relationships. But understand that in some ways, pandemic and social distancing has created some fault lines where we've lost touch with some people. But maybe at the same time, those fault lines simply were already there, but have been exposed and revealed by this pandemic. And what is it, to go back to that question from earlier, what is it about church and Christian community that ought to be truly distinctive and necessary for our period? Let's talk about a couple of rifts or spins that church community should put on community at large. Some shifts from one thing for another. For one thing, thinking about how community can and should shift in Christian contexts, we shouldn't just be about transparency. We should also be about truthfulness. Transparency. One of the cardinal virtues of this cultural moment where our individual expressivism, that's really important. Let's be transparent. And I agree. Transparency is really, really good. Don't cover up what you're feeling. Don't cover up who you are. But truly to practice deep community with one another, transparency in itself is not enough. We need to practice as well truthfulness. Thank you for being transparent with me, says one friend to another. That's really important. I really value it. God gives us grace so that we can have that transparency with one another. And can we open the Bible and see how the scriptures come to bear on what we're talking about right now? Or if somebody is transparent with you, are you able to say back, thank you for being honest with me, but also say, hey, this is just one opinion. I'm, I'm, I'm not a judge. I'm not a jury. But what you're saying sounds really unhealthy. Can, can we have a conversation about that? Maybe this isn't the best thing for you right now. So we move ahead from mere transparency to truthfulness. And let's shift as well from communities of affinity to communities of difference. One of the interesting things for me, as I think about people on the right and on the left, by and large, our dinner tables are a lot less diverse. The people that we hang out with than what we say on our social media feeds and our workspaces and our school spaces. By and large, isn't it true that the people that we hang out with, people with whom we let our hair down, 
Those are the people with whom we have affinity in some specific directions. Education, income, interests, and politics. Education, income, interests, and politics. Think about the people that you've hung out with recently. Maybe at least three out of those four things you have in common with those other people. And if you've been in a group of people hanging out voluntarily where there is not that sense of affinity, happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, you're at a family gathering. But church is an opportunity. And understand me, I feel this at a deep level as we think about issues like segregation, as we think about issues like oppression for the church here in our country, our hands are not clean and we have too often been part of the problem and not part of the solution. And yet, we have an opportunity at church, not in flashy ways. We don't tweet about it. We, we don't say, hey, look at how awesome we are. We have an opportunity and we can grow in this direction to truly and genuinely form relationships of difference across aisles, across barriers. Let's learn how to do that better this year. And also Christian community, we have an opportunity to move from mere curation to direction. We live in a curatorial age where we spend so much time and energy and effort and money on curating ourselves, curating our actual selves, curating our social media selves, curating our bodies, curating the food that we eat, curating our diets, curating our restaurants, curating our vacations, curating our podcast feeds, curating our Netflix, Netflix cues and so on. All over the place we curate. And don't get me wrong, I love some good curation as much as the next person. For example, with me, hot sauces. Why have one bottle of hot sauce in your fridge when you can have 30? And in my heart of hearts, what I really want to say, when I reach for one of those hot sauce bottles, or if I'm hanging out with somebody else and I'm given a hot sauce bottle where I go, mm, this looks interesting, I want to be able to say when I put it on my food, two things. One, this tastes spicy. And two, this tastes exclusive. I enjoy it. Or think about music. I love to curate music. There are many people in the Philadelphia and South Jersey region that would look at their physical music connect collection, whether it's CDs, whether it's vinyl, whether it's 8-track or something else, and say, I have the best music collection representing popular 20th century music out of anybody in this region. A lot of people would say that they are wrong, except this guy. And yet, for all of our curation, where is the direction? In Christian community, we can help each other with this. Hey, we spend so much time trying to refine and perfect our lives because we have just enough space, just enough time, just enough energy, just enough income to put our lives into some of these things. But where is it going? Is it truly serving the flourishing of all people? Is it truly bringing honor to God? Let's grow in truly distinctive Christian community. This is what Jesus died for, that they may be one. That's why he paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. That's why on the cross Jesus conquered sin and death and the devil to give us new resources of forgiveness and grace to be people of joy, to be people that bear with one another in all of our afflictions and infirmities and sins against one another. As Jesus pumps up the volume on the kingdom of God on earth all the way to a new creation, new heavens and new earth. And if Jesus is invested in this, let's invest along similar lines. Let's talk for a couple minutes as well 
about what we're going to do this year. A couple of twists on the ministry year. How are we going to, practically speaking, emphasize community here and now? It's going to start with a sermon series. It's going to be more than a sermon series, but not less. We are going to be talking about community. Get off your island. That's the title of it. Let's push towards one another. It's a metaphor about getting off our islands and really reaching out and being in community with one another. It's going to take us through January. We're going to do something a little bit different for Advent, but it's still going to hit some of these same themes of community. And this will be a first for me. I'm kind of excited about it. Beginning next week, we're going to go through in these sermons, chapter by chapter, my dialoguing with a book, a Christian book on community, written recently by a guy named Rusty George. The book is called Better Together, Discovering the Power of Community. And I'm going to think about some of those thoughts. I'm going to add some of my own thoughts, as will the other preachers. And we're going to go through this book together, talking about the community. The book, once again, is called Community, The Power of Community, Better Together. And it's by a guy named Rusty George. You might think, Rusty George, sounds like he played high school football. He probably did. But do you know what's great about high school football? It's practical. And this book is going to be very practical for us as we go through it in the sermon series, talking about barriers to community, talking about benefits of community. So that's going to be the sermon series. And then also, it's not just going to be the sermon series, it's going to be our home meetings, our small groups. Sign-ups are live. Go ahead and sign up, whether you're near, whether you've been to a small group or a home meeting here at Liberty Collingswood, whether you've never been to a small group here at Liberty Collingswood before, whether you're local to us, whether you've been tuning in with us, but you don't live locally, we'd love it if you too could join some of those small groups. Signups are live. Go ahead and sign up today, right now. They're going to be great, but we're tweaking the model for this year. So the baseline of our small groups is going to be we're going to split most weeks into guys and gals to create smaller environments that I hope for many of us, we will feel a greater sense of intimacy and safety to be able to share more in those contexts. And in addition to that, as we get into winter, we want to organically grow some bat phones for all of you to build out some discipleship bands of two to three or four people where you're checking in regularly, talking about your relationships with Jesus, confessing sins, praying for one another, keeping accountable. We're going to tell you more about that as the ministry year goes forward, but also as we think about community in terms of an emphasis, we'll have an opportunity too to fit in some sub-modules. So for this fall, also really excited as we have less structure to our days and our weeks because there's still a lot of sheltering in place, we want to resource you to think about how to do devotionals in the home how we can do some liturgies in our home, whether it's families, whether it's just parents, whether it's if you're single. How do we build some liturgical structure into what we do at home so that we're not just floating along in this Groundhog Day situation with pandemic? Really looking forward as well to the season of Lent and talked about it on consistory and staff. We're going to focus on racial injustice, systemic injustice in this liturgical season of the church calendar that's dedicated to reflection, that's dedicated to repentance. And then later on in the ministry, we're going to talk about men and women in the church and church leadership conversation that we had that was short-circuited by pandemic earlier. It's all going to be great. So those are going to be some church-wide things. What about for you personally? Well, you might think about getting off your island. What can you yourself do to take steps towards community? 
Again, whether a veteran at Liberty Collingswood or a newcomer, would you be open to the living Lord doing something radically new in you as it relates to relationships with other people? Would it truly affect head and heart and hands? Would it affect your head? Different beliefs or presuppositions about community getting practical once again. Would you think about yourself, not animistically, but say, I need community, and those around me, they need me to engage in community as well. And what about heart? Are there attitudes and affections that can and should be, be reshaped? Do you hate people? Thinking about social media hatred and angst, whenever somebody, whether it's a friend, whether it's a loved one, whether it's somebody you know, that posts something on social media and you just go, ah, I hate that person. How can you reshape some of those responses and move in love towards that person? Are there patterns? Patterns of selfish behaviors, patterns of sin that are blocking you from practicing community in the right ways? And then hands. Are there action steps? Are there things that you can do to make community better around you. And it relates to mission as well. Are there action steps related to justice that you can take this year? Are there action steps related to witness and evangelism, telling other people about Jesus? What if we would round out the school year into next summer and you'd be able to look back and say, community around me is thicker. Maybe for that to happen, you need to take some more steps towards Jesus. Maybe for that to happen, you need to take some more steps towards other people. And it's all about mission. Even as we do community together, it's not just about us. It's about serving one another, and it's about serving the world. This is where we'll end. In verses 21 and 23, we have these so that passages. Verse 21 that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you love me. You know what that looks like? That looks a lot like living, speaking, and serving as Jesus' very presence here in Collingswood and in surrounding boroughs, or verse 23. I in them and you in me so that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. This is why Jesus died. This is why he rose again. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Yeah. The odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after-party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed, where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.